Scott Perry of Pennsylvania. Thank you, Scott. Really great. And you're doing very well over there, by the way. Just so your numbers. A man who is a, a, I mean, central casting. If I'm going to pick Perry Mason, I'm going to do a remake of Perry Mason. Other than Bill Barr, I'd pick this guy, but I have to say I'd pick Barr. I'd pick Barr first, right? John Ratliff, right? But I have to take uh, Perry Mason, the man I get. There's nobody in Hollywood like this. John Ratliff. Right? Stand up, buddy. So, such a great lawyer. Incredible guy, incredible talent, but just a great lawyer. That we appreciate it. He gets on that screen and everyone says, I agree. The other side will probably be using a lot of you in the next year. But you have been fantastic, John. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. A man who's braver than me and braver than all of us in this room, he got, he got whacked. He got whacked. My Steve, right? I went to the hospital with our great first lady that night. Right, honey? And he was not going to make it. He was the doctor. And I told him, his wife, I said, she loves you. Why do you say that? Because she was devastated. A lot of wives wouldn't give a damn. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of wives, a lot of wives would have said, hey, yeah. I said, how's he doing? Oh, she couldn't even talk. She was inconsolable. Most wives would say, not. But the doctor came in. The wife is like. She was a total mess. She was really devastated. And it really looked like he had a 20, 25% chance. I think you said a record for blood loss. And Steve Scalise, I actually, honestly, I think you're better looking now. You're more handsome now. You, you weren't that good looking. He looks better now. Can you believe it? I don't know what the hell that is. for the baseball game against, I guess, the Democrats, right? And this whack job started shooting, hurt Rogers. I don't know if Rogers here, but hurt a number of people, hit him, but really hit Steve. Steve was the second base. He was the second baseman. And he went down, and, and it was terrible. I mean, I certainly, you had two brave policemen with you because of your high position in Congress, you had two policemen and they were amazing. Uh, the man and the woman. And they came and they didn't have rifles. They were against uh, a supposedly pretty good sharpshooter with rifles, good equipment, and all they had was a gun. And shooting. And they're so far away that a handgun is not uh, preferred. And this guy has the rifle and he's hitting people. And he was going to move up, and there was no out. I mean, if he would have been able to move up, there was no way to get out. The entrance was a single entrance way on the other side where he was. So everyone went into the dugout, ran into the dugout. like, And uh, with a bullet that rips you apart, it was supposed to do that. It rips, it rips you apart. And these two people came charging forward. Boom, boom, boom. And one of them... You know who? One of them, him, got the shooter. Hit him.
and then got him. Killed him. It was amazing. If you didn't have those two people, you can imagine, right? You, you can imagine what would happen. So uh, Melania and I went to the hospital that night, and he was in such bad shape, and he's been working ever since so hard. But six months ago, they had a baseball game at the National Spark, and I'm watching. And it's, it's on television. Well, you want to win it, right? And Steve's at second base. The poor guy can't even walk. Do you remember Bobby Richardson for the New York Yankees? He was known for range, Louis. Range. He had the greatest range. If a ball's hit the shortstop, Bobby Richardson's the second player, second baseman. Bobby Richardson would field the ball. If it's hit the first base, he'll throw it to the first base. Range. This was not Steve Scalise. <laughs> Steve had no range. One foot and he has to fall down, right? Because, you know, he was trying to get better. I don't know who the hell put you on the field. And this is a true story. So the game starts and the first pitch, Steve said in a second. And I said, this is terrible. A shot ground ball shot is hit to second and Steve I say I didn't have time to think too much but I said this is not good that ball was going toward him and this guy stopped that ball caught the ball he's now laying down out I said it's the most incredible thing I've never seen athletic I've never seen anything like that right And he gets him out, and they then took him out of the game, which was a very wise thing, because you could never do that again in a million years. But you weren't going to let that ball go through. I don't care. The greatest of all time, right? That ball was not going through you, because you are a warrior. Steve, he is fantastic. You are fantastic. You and Liz and Kevin, what a great, what a group. I mean, what a group. I got lucky. I got lucky because you need the right people. If I had the wrong people there, be uh, maybe a different story. Maybe we'd be celebrating something else. And Elise, you, I just read the story. It's just, uh, most incredible what's going on with you, Elise. So I even said, you know, I was up campaigning for helping her, but I thought she looks good. She looks like good talent. But did I not realize when she opens that mouth, you were killing them, Elise. Elise, and there's a big story in the New York Post. I love the New York Post because they treat me well. There aren't too many of you that do, but today you're treating me well. I even had a great headline. I, New York Times, Washington Post. I had all these just ended right there. But you had the greatest story yesterday in the Post. The people from all over the country are contributing to her campaign. They were so enthralled with the way you handled yourself, what you said, the way you said it. And uh, I'll always be your friend. I think it, it was, it's really an amazing story. What a great future you have. What a great future. Thank you. Greetings, by the way. Lady agrees. And Michael Turner, you can represent me anytime. Where's Michael? Where is he? Well, you can represent me. How good were you? There's another, there's another Perry Mason type, I think, right? What do you think, John? But Michael, you were fantastic and we appreciate it. Brad Winstrup. Where's Brad? Uh -huh.
Grant. Great. Yeah. This is a big day for lawyers. You notice only the lawyers stayed. They all the lawyers stayed behind. Lee Zeldin, how good are you? How good are you? Man. And Louie, your name's not down. They didn't give me a name. Do you know if, if I didn't announce Louie in this list, I, I got to get rid of him because I, if I wouldn't have announced Louie, it might have been the end of the presidency. <laughs> Louie, you have been so great, so tough, and so smart. I got it. Just, I got it. But Louie has been amazing. He's a tough guy. He's a smart guy. He's streetwise like crazy. We love Texas. And we're with you all the way. So that's the story. We have a great group of warriors, and there are others left, and I guess probably, I'm sure I didn't mention a few, and I apologize if that's the case. Uh, how's CPAC doing? Good? Huh? My man. The one he said, you should run. Right? Matt said, it's like five years ago, six years ago, and I made a speech. And then they do some kind of a straw poll. Who made the best speech? And he said, I made the best speech. Oh, with all these professional, I hate to say this, with all these professional politicians, they voted by far the best speech was Trump. He calls me and says, what do I know about politics? But you know what? We learned quickly, and our country has never done better than it's doing right now. So it's pretty good. But thank you, Matt. Great. Say hello. So... So that's the story. We've been treated very unfairly. Fortunately, we have great men and women that came to our defense. If a horrific incident for our country. When you have Lisa and Peter, the lovers, the FBI lovers. I want to believe the path you threw out for deputy director. Andrew McCabe. That's the office. He, he gets elected, meaning me. There's no way he gets elected. This is Peter to Lisa. He's probably trying to impress her for obvious reasons. <laughs> There's no way he gets elected. But I'm afraid we can't take the risk. Now think of this. In other words, if I get elected, they can't take the risk. They can't take the risk. Think of it. And that's where it came up, the greatest word of all, insurance policy. So he says, but I'm afraid we can't take the risk. She may lose. It's like an insurance policy. In the unlikely event, you die before you're 40. In other words, they were going to do exactly what they did to us. They were going to try and overthrow the government of the United States, a duly elected president. And if I didn't fire James Comey, we would have never found this stuff. Because when I fired that sleazebag, all hell broke out. They were ratting those. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. It's in the hands of some very talented people. We're going to have to see what happens. But I can tell you, in my opinion, these are the crookedest, most dishonest, dirtiest people I've ever seen. They said... This is struck. God. Hillary's million to one. This is about me. 
This is an agent from the FBI. Look how they let her off. 33,000 emails deleted. Nothing happens to her. Nothing happens. It's unbelievable. But think of that God. Hillary should win one. Then they go to work for Mueller, the two of them. And when Mueller found out that everybody knew that they were 100% this way, he let them go. But they deleted all of their emails and text messages. So when we got the phone, they were all deleted. Could you imagine the treasure trove? They illegally deleted. They left Bob Mueller. He had the look, but he didn't have a lot of other things. Always had the look. Mr. G-Man. And I love the FBI, and the FBI loves me 99%. It was the top scum. And the FBI people don't like the top scum. So think of that. At 100 million to one, and he's investigating me. And then Trump is a loathsome human being, isn't he? These are the people looking at me. I'm really not a bad person. And Paige said, yes, he's awful. How would you like to have that? This is just, this is the good stuff. This stuff, a hundred times worse than that. These are all dirty people. And now that they're suing the United States of America because they were interfered with. Uh, not going to let it happen. Just not going to let it happen. We cannot let this happen to our country. Thank you. So I'm going to leave now. And I don't know if any of you have anything to say. You could say it, but this is sort of a day of celebration because we went through hell. Pelosi and uh, crying Chuck. I've known this guy all the time. The only time I ever saw him cry was when it was appropriate. Known him for a long time. Crying Chuck. But I'm sure they'll try and cook up other things. They'll go through the state of New York. They'll go through other places. They'll do whatever they can. Because instead of wanting to heal our country and fix our country, all they want to do, it's almost like they want to destroy our country. We can't let it happen. Uh, Jim Jordan, did you want to say something? Go ahead. Huh? Mark? I just, I wanted to say that uh, this reflection today is a small reflection of the kind of support you have all across the country. We've got your back. was a, a highly situation. Pelosi said, I, I copied it down exactly. Before the impeachment, she went to impeach from day one, by the way. Don't let it fool you. You know, she said, no, the impeachment is a very serious thing. I said, she wants to impeach. Watch. Impeachment is so divisive to the country that unless there's something so compelling and so overwhelming, partisan, it was 197 to nothing. And other than one failed presidential candidate, and I call that half a vote because he actually voted for us on the other one. But we had one failed President presidential candidate. The That's the only half a vote we lost. So we had almost 53 to nothing. We had nothing.
And the only one that voted against was a guy that can't stand the fact that he ran one of the worst campaigns in the history of the presidency. But she said, there's something so compelling, has to be so compelling and so overwhelming and bipartisan. I don't, because it divides the country. She was right about that. And it's just not worth it. That was Nancy Pelosi a year ago, right? And I think it's a shame. I think it's a shame. But as I said, if we can put this genius to work on roads and highways and bridges and all of the things we can do. Secretary Azar is here, and I want to thank him for this. But we had uh, first time in 51 years where drug prices actually came down last year. First time in 51 years. But what we can do working with both parties in Congress is would be unbelievable. It would be unbelievable. All we can do. And I know Chuck Grassley is working very hard on it, and Mitch is working very hard on it. But what we do just generally, we've done so much without it. We've rebuilt our military. We've cut regulations at a level that nobody thought possible. We'll always protect our Second Amendment. We all know that. But I just want to tell you that it's an honor to be with you all. Uh, I want to apologize to my family for a phony, rotten deal by some very evil and sick people. And Ivanka's here and my my sons and my whole family. And that includes Barron. That includes Barron, who's up there as a young boy. Stand up, honey. Ivanka, thank you, honey. Come. So I just want to thank my family for sticking through it. This was not part of the deal. I was going to run for president, and if I won, I was going to do a great job. I didn't know that I was going to run again and again and again. Every week I had to run again. That wasn't the deal, but they stuck with me. And I'm so glad I did it because we are making progress and doing things for our great people that everybody said couldn't be done. Our country is thriving. Our country is, and it's an honor to be with the people in this room. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Here it is, President Trump, live at the White House. Thank you for uh, everybody sticking by. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro. Let me um, uh, let me get a hold of uh, Attorney Tim Dodd. We'll get uh, get him on. He is done. This portion of the John DePietro show uh, is brought to you by K's. Remember, lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge. Stop by K's. They're waiting for you. Good afternoon, everybody on Facebook Live. There's Diane. There's Dennis again, folks. You want, we wanted to carry it. It's the president of the United States. That was President Trump. Huge celebration that he went through.
and uh, he wanted to thank so many different people. It was, again, what a great day with everything that he's been through. I recognize some people, Juan, why you're taking it, but we're going to get Tim Dodd on right now, so share this if you're watching it. Again, it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM, and it's the John DePietro Show. It is uh, time that we talk with our legal analyst, Tim Dodd. Let's bring him right on. Uh, Tim, thank you for your patience. Good afternoon. Let's just start off. We might as well with uh, the impeachment. It is finally over. Uh, what can you tell us about it? The, the biggest, most controversial thing was just the Romney, uh, the Romney vote. Well, it's it's troubling um, on several counts with Senator Romney. Um, you know, he makes this big splash about his conscience, and he makes reviewed the overwhelming evidence. Now, I'm really not sure if he's a lawyer or not, but he's been around, and if you're looking at evidence, competent evidence evidence that would be make its way into a courtroom there was literally no evidence that would have ever made it in before a jury there you know equivocating and wondering and what do i do and he's going through all this personal turmoil and he finally says oh it's the overwhelming evidence that has you know prompted me to vote guilty i don't know what he's listening to because there is no evidence. There was a lot of talk. There was a lot of innuendo and suggested conclusions as to what it all meant, but not lots of evidence, John. So when he says that, it, it this rings totally phony to me. I mean, I don't really know what his alternate agenda is. Maybe he's channeling... Um, uh, John McCain from from the Beyond, from the another grave. guy who does. If he if he hangs his hat on the notion that there was uh, overwhelming evidence, that that's a phony phony narrative because there was really no competent evidence. Uh, I think it's also unfortunate if you read any of the standard uh, publications or if you listen to the standard news shows on TV. They're showing pictures of this guy, Mitt Romney, and they'll say, Mitt Romney, profile and courage. It's like, come on, he's not a profile and courage. I mean, that's just such a misapplied um, description for what he did. But the liberal media, suddenly he's their new best friend. Yeah. Uh, he, he, suddenly he's, he's the total outrageous for him to have done what he did. However, Alan Dershowitz was courageous to go against all of his normal political um, circle and defend the president. And in the media, he's not courageous. He's a pariah. Yep. Uh, But he's a profile in courage. You know, it's interesting, Tim Dodd. And again, folks, we're on with with attorney, our legal expert, Tim Dodd. Tim, what also, yesterday, as I was watching the vote, and you're watching, you know, the threshold of the 67, what really is astounding, now we, we've known it all along, but when you see it break out that way, they, they, they were, they were, even with Romney, I mean, they were, they were, they were 19 votes shy. They, they were never coming close. It's not like they were even going to get 60 votes. It, it was never going to flip to 67. I mean, the whole thing truly was a complete waste and all these complaining about, well, there were no witnesses and no evidence, that's also, don't you, I think that's disingenuous because they, they, 
the, the, the House is where that was supposed to take place. They, they rushed it. They... Yes, and I guess the House could, and they may well, of course it's an election year, if the, if the Democrats keep the House in the 2020 elections, you can, you can bet your bottom dollar they will attempt to impeach the president again to keep him pinned down to try to keep him on defense. And I guess the House could then show us all how it's done and, and go through the necessity of going to court. Again, they're always crying that the, the administration didn't cooperate, but they never say that they were unwilling or afraid to go to court because if they got a negative ruling from a judge, that would croak their case. So rather than going to court, they simply didn't follow through and said, good, we won't go to court. We'll just complain about it. And the media will run every one of our complaints. And that's exactly what's happened. So they kind of public by complaining that the administration was uncooperative with no grounds. Yep. If, they thought the, if they thought the administration had no grounds for resisting the subpoenas, they would have been into court like a shot. Sure. But they didn't. And, but, and that's the, that's the illegitimacy of the the argument that's coming from the House Democrats and even the the Democrats in this. Folks, good afternoon on this Thursday. It's one thirty. It's John DePietro. Uh, the president uh, wrapped up his speech. Was speaking with our legal expert, Rhode Island attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, let's move into the big story that has really hit close to home, and that is uh, seemingly the real rapid pace that this whole thing's picked up. We had heard about the convention center. We heard the state police was sniffing around there. Uh, confirmed uh, certain people confirmed uh, certain people, individuals getting subpoenas. You have several people at the convention center, and then you also have the speaker has not been subpoenaed, but they did confirm that his chief of staff Leo Skenyon was subpoenaed, and then his right-hand man in charge of the JCLS, Frank Montanaro, was subpoenaed. The convention center, Paul McDonald is on the board, Larry Lepore, Paul McDonald is on the board, Larry Lepore, Bobby Laro, and then also Jim McCarville. Um, wh wh what are your thoughts? And, and being subpoenaed to be testifying next week in front of a grand jury. Well, it's such a high-profile high case, and, you know, I think... Uh, Peter Nerona is not influenced by any of the by any of the the power centers in Rhode Island. Neither the speaker nor the Senate president right. nor the governor. He's running his own race. He's doing things his way. Yep. And it seems to me that he wants to get this in front of a grand jury as quickly as possible. Because what's he to do? He's an insider. He's playing ball. So he's playing ball. So he's getting out it and investigating it, and presumably will have um, a result from the grand jury quickly. Either there will be a true bill that certain people did in, engage in criminal conduct, or say, listen, we, we, we looked at this thing from soup to nuts, and we don't find that a crime was committed. You quickly, to get the public a result quickly, get the public a result quickly, because uh, in the absence of that, there's nothing, nothing but rumor and speculation and innuendo. Um, the, the notion is, or the, uh, the expectation is, that the investigation 
is centers on them. Normally, extortion would be extortion would be um, I'm going to tell me money. I'm going to tell law enforcement that you committed such and such a crime. So if you don't want me to go to the cops, give me money. That's classic extortion. Okay. There's, there's a different variation of extortion. And there's a specific statute on point, separate and apart from, and it's specifically extortion by, specifically extortion by public official. Exactly. And that's what I had heard, that that was what this is going to fall under. It's a and almost, and that, but but I want to hear you out, but so seemingly it's, it's the way it was explained to me is it's a lesser bar. Well, yes, but it's still a felony punishable by not, which makes it a serious felony. Um, serious felony. Um, Lower threshold is what I meant. Lower threshold. No, yeah. it, no? It, it really, no, well, the, the, the elements are pretty much the same, and the potential sentence is pretty much the same as the more generic extortion, if you will, um, statute that's on point. That would typically be things that typically be things such as, you know, hey, if you don't come pave my driveway this weekend or do my sidewalk, um, you know, I'm going to make sure that your so-and-so gets fired from their position. Somehow using your official position to go assuming that someone from the speaker, assuming that someone from the speaker's office said, if you do no, the speaker himself, the speaker himself, that, that has been established, the speaker himself. Well, that's what you've reported. Yeah. Correct. Assuming, okay. that's, assuming that's true, because I'm sure the speaker will deny it, and I think he has. And yep. Whether it's true or not, assume it's true for the sake allegedly says, if you, if you take action against Demers, we're going to send a probe up your rear end and do an investigation. Anima, right. The speaker doesn't get anything personally out of that. It can be seen that he's looking to protect a friend. It can be seen that he doesn't like the fact that his, his feel are unjust circumstances, unjust circumstances. But where's the personal benefit uh, that would be necessary in, in the area of um, extortion by a public official? Let me, let me ask typically, about... Typically, it's kickback. It's getting okay. a favor, it's getting gifts, it's getting uh, special treatment. They're individual, because the way I understand it, because the way I understand it, the audit that he then ordered would cost 50000 from an outside agency. So, in, so to say, if they met suspend demurs, I will stick an enema up there behind. So you better get them in line. They don't. And then they incur thousand because they didn't adhere to his because they didn't adhere to his demands. Isn't is that something that could fall under the umbrella of extortion? I don't know about a gain, but as a public official, you're extorting an, an expense under someone because they're not doing what you want them to do. It, it, it's not a. It's not a. That the state spends fifty grand. The state spends fifty grand on an audit, which might not have been necessary, and that it's meant simply to punish the convention center by taking an action against his friend. 
it really doesn't sit on all the fours with the um, extortion by public official statute. Perhaps there's something else, perhaps there's something more. And all the facts aren't out, and I know a lot of people are out, and I know a lot of people are, are rushing to a conclusion here, but unless they're looking at something other than specifically this extortion by a public official, I don't see that it's quite there based upon what we know today. Okay. Tim Dodd, can you also just touch the, the use of the grand jury, the way they the grand jury, the way they could use it, uh, obviously perhaps to uh, bring an indictment against someone, but what about the nature of using a grand jury as an investigative tool of let's get some people, let's get these people under oath and get to the heart part of the matter if you could just sure it, it's a fact-finding ex sure it, it's a fact-finding expedition and if some of the people who have been subpoenaed um, are going to be squirming in there because they don't want to answer questions or they don't want to take the chance of lying because if they get caught lying then they get charged with a crime many times in a situation like this um, the prosecutors are painted people to flip um, flip um you know and the folks under legal counsel and their seek legal counsel and their legal counsel should have a real serious heart to heart saying listen if if there's anything here that would expose you to some criminal conduct or you're thinking about lying to the grand jury um stop thinking about lying and tell me what you know that could be incriminating for an immunity deal or some cooperation agreement or some cooperation agreement before you go in there and say things that you can't then take back or fix or correct. Now, apparently there was a grand jury investigation about the entire year, um, uh, Shauna Lawton situation, yes. which resulted in one charge being brought against you. We really don't know, but assuming that all of, um, oh, but assuming that all of um, uh, Nick Mattiello's lieutenants testified be before the grand jury, none of them said anything other than what resulted in Britt getting um, charged. Uh, nothing was said. The prosecutors heard nothing which resulted in any of the lieutenants or the speaker or regular escapade um, getting charged with that paid, um, getting charged with anything. So if, if the speaker's lieutenants all go to this grand jury and say what they know and the grand jury listens to it all, they either report a true bill or they don't. Um, it remains to be seen. But what, what should we this, read into this, that Mattiello says he hasn't? Well, Let's 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 presume that he's the largest fish in this particular pond. Okay. Typically, you go after the underlings before you go after the ultimate large fish to see what you can get out of the smaller fish, and then make a determination whether you need to go after the big fish. What all the underlings have to say. So things have to say. So it makes sense that he would not have been subpoenaed to appear at this point. They want to get everyone else on the record first. But he could eventually be subpoenaed once they put his underlings in front of the grand jury. Yes, and many times the target of a grand jury um, is 
not called to test explain themselves. Sometimes okay. they are, sometimes they aren't. Sometimes okay. they are, sometimes they aren't. There's, there's no hard and fast rule. Tim, what about, uh, and again, folks, good afternoon, it's John DePietro. When the media was trying to find out from Speaker Mattiello if Leo Skenyon, his chief of staff, and Frank Montanaro had been subpoenaed, I believe he even said to Channel 12, I, what, what, is there a legal element to that that you, you legal element to that that you, you wouldn't even, well, why, why, because that would be normally uh like hey you know what, what what was that all about you know the the person comes in they see them they drop off the subpoena hey you are um but is there a legal part of that of why he would say i haven't asked them and i'm not going to ask well typically if if all of these folks if if all of these folks are likely to be subpoenaed um it's kind of dangerous to speak to the other subpoenaed folks hey have you been subpoenaed oh okay you know that, then then it, then the discussion can devolve into well what are you going to say what do you think they're going to ask i see many many times it's better to a discussion of who's going to say what who's been subpoenaed of who's going to say what who's been subpoenaed um, because all of those questions will be asked so it will be okay that's what i'm getting at so that's something did you, that did you speak to this one did you oh, speak to okay. that one? who have you spoken to Okay, so in front of the so green jury, to keep a, you're better to keep a wall of silence okay. versus get so the, the Frank Montanaro though, and I'm getting called though, and I'm getting called, and he's the right hand man. It has to do with the GCLS. Um, I, I mean, I, again, we don't know, but he's not the target. Aren't I taking the fifth anyway, just to protect myself? Well, he can only take the fifth if he fears that his response may uh, suggest his participation in or the commission participation in or the commission of a crime. So if he's got nothing to take the fifth about, then he would not be pleading the fifth. Okay. I thought with the Fifth Amendment, you know, we're not supposed to read anything into that. It's his Fifth Amendment right. He does not have to answer questions, and then therefore they... They shouldn't read it quickly. In a, in a separate note, uh, Tim Dodd, in a separate note, uh, Tim Dodd, Attorney General Peter Narona met with the media today, and I found a couple things he said interesting. Number one, he was asked about governor for 2022, and he came out and said, I'm never running for governor, which I find interesting because to me he wants to uh, deflect. He called for the media. To me, he wants to deflect immediately. He wants to deflect immediately if anyone wants to charge, oh, he's, you know, doing this grand jury against Matty Yellow for a political gain. He wants to run for governor, blah, blah, blah. But the second part that came out today was we go back to June or back in the summertime when Twin River Mark Christofoli said that if you go against us with this IGT thing, we're going to against us with this IGT thing, we're going to make life difficult for you. Uh, Peter Narona disclosed today that he sent a letter to Mark Christofoli of Twin River, who, who never responded to it. Um, I mean, boy, talk about someone who's not walking the party line. No, but, but what do you make of those two things? Narona revealed, the journal raised that in an editorial. Oh, what happened to, at an editorial. Oh, what happened to, to Brett Smiley? And for the attorney, that, and for the attorney general, almost preemptive, he called for the media today. He wanted to reveal things to them. He wanted to be proactive, and he reveals those, those two things stand out the most to me. I'm not 
running for governor. I'm never running for governor. And uh, he reveals that he, he did follow up with the truth. He got no response, so case closed. Uh, so case closed. Um, that's atypical to say, well, hey, I didn't get a response to a request, so I'm closing the case. Um, I found that a little um, uh, quick to come to that conclusion based upon no response to one letter, but okay. that's certainly up to him. And if he has higher aspirations, maybe they lie in Wash. Higher aspirations, maybe they lie in Washington and not at the state house. Sure, Tim Dodd. There was a, a high-profile example. You know, Pawtucket police came out with these things. They called them uh, training cards, and what they do is there's unsolved crimes and things like that, and they're kind of like the old baseball cards or football cards, basketball. Well, whatever people used to collect. Well, one of the things that came out, and this was one of the things that came out, and this was seemingly unusual. The Pawtucket police started to move ahead with this unsolved murder, and it almost seemed as if the left hand didn't know what the right was doing, and they seemed to move ahead with this on their own, and now the... It, it caught my attention, and I know it caught yours. Just be it my attention, and I know it caught yours. Just be it, because it, it seems high. It, it's definitely an unusual situation. Yes, but this is a case where uh, defense counsel for the accused uh, did a good job of bringing this case into court early. For I believe it was a city of Pawtucket um, has to get. Um, has to present to the district court judge a good faith presentation of the facts that they uh, would be proving if the case went to trial. Um, and at a probable cause hearing, um, the state has to prove if we had probable cause and here's the evidence we have to a sufficient amount of facts to back that up. So the amount of facts to back that up so the judge dismiss the charge. It's not going any further. Um, it happens. It doesn't happen too often. Um, it's not the same case, but recall very early on in the O.J. Simpson case, O.J.'s defense team demanded a probable cause hearing where the straight um, those before a female judge, um, those before a female judge whose name escapes me, but based upon the state's inability to really at that time um, put together all the facts that they were going to prove when the case was ultimately tried before Judge Ito. Um, OJ's team came reasonably close to getting that facts of the case had not been sufficiently developed, had not been sufficiently developed. Um, could this come back uh, as to this particular defendant? Um, it could if more evidence was um, established, but at this juncture, his defense counsel did a great job in asking for an early hearing and forcing the state to put on its its evidence. It's um, it's John DePietro. Speak with our uh, it's John DePietro. Speak with our uh, legal expert uh, Tim Dodd and folks. It's a, it's a, we're a little bit thrown just because earlier uh, time wise we were carrying the president's speech. Tim, I don't know if you've had a chance to go through. This was all just coming down this afternoon, and it has to do with the case we had talked about. Um, and, and stop me if you hadn't had a chance to go. Where we're we're learning today, and this is all just breaking. That we're learning today, and this is all just breaking. That apparently the feds are really going after her and trying to throw the book at her with um, 
with what she's been doing while she's been uh, behind bars? Yes, apparently. I mean, she is, she is an unrepentant uh, scam artist. Apparently, she's made over two hundred unauthorized made over two hundred unauthorized telephone calls. Um, it's unclear whether she's continuing to extract money from people. Um, she's having meetings with. Um, I guess the, the journal um, keeps calling the, the gentleman um, her paramour, Perny. Um, I'm not sure he's a attorney, or he's just. I'm not sure he's a attorney, or he's just a visiting paramour. But there's still lots of shenanigans and trying to beat the system. And I guess the feds are going crazy because they see what she's doing while uh, behind bars, which is only going to make things worse for her. All of this. Pre-trial conduct over his phone calls. Uh, she's not helping her cause. Uh, she's not helping her cause, and all of this would be considered at the time of sentencing, if she's ultimately convicted or if she ultimately takes a plea. Sure. And and uh, Tim White is even uh, Tim. Is that the type of thing? So that that is definitely you. You hurt yourself by by those types types of actions. When you could they bring new charges based upon what she's doing? Charges based upon what she's doing? Um, I'm not sure. And again, I just happened to see the the news blast like ten minutes before going on. So I, if there's sure. more to the story, I haven't seen it. But that's the the snippet that I got right before we came on to air. Um, let's come back. Ask. Uh, attorney dot again parentheses I uh, attorney dot again parentheses I really enjoy this segment um about the role of an attorney with a grand jury i e with the people going in next week in front of the grand jury in the convention center can the attorney go in with them or do they what role do does someone's attorney that's, question that's, a, that's an excellent question yeah that's an excellent question. Yeah. Most people have never been through the process. What happens is the witness goes in alone in front of the grand jury. So the grand jury members are assembled. There will typically be one or more prosecutors who then um, conduct the uh, questioning. But smart witnesses will have an attorney with them. Witnesses will have an attorney with them. The attorney is obligated to stay outside of the room in an ante room in the hallway, but not in the room with the witness. However, if questions come up that the witness is uncomfortable with, if they think, oh, I didn't expect this question, maybe if I answer this one, I might be exposed herself, they, they can say, I'd like to take a moment, they can say, I'd like to take a moment and step outside. And they can leave the grand jury room, go out and speak to their counsel. I've just been asked this question and I don't know what to do with it. You know, then the witness and counsel can confer, but defense counsel or counsel for the witness doesn't get to ask questions or do cross-examination questions or do cross-examination. It's a very one-sided affair, which is why there's the old adage that a grand jury could indict a ham sandwich sure. because the, the prosecutors can lead the grand jurors around by the nose, uh, cherry-picking the facts that they want the grand jurors to hear and keeping away from the grand jurors. So let's just say next week, uh, let's just say next week, uh, we'll just say one of the speaker's people, they're on the stand, 
And the prosecutors in front of the grand jury ask a question. They then say, I would like to confer with my counsel in the hallway. And then they allow them to get up, leave the room, come back. I mean, can, can, could someone make 10 trips out to the hallway and keep make 10 trips out to the hallway and keep conferring with attorneys? Or how, how does that work? Yes, they certainly can. Um, certainly, you wouldn't want the grand jury to draw too many inferences about your need to, you know, talk to your counsel on every question. Uh, the optics can ultimately be bad, but um, you can ask for a time. You can ask for a timeout to go speak to counsel as many times as you need. There's no limit. Um, and. Um Finally, any other thoughts on the uh, impeachment uh, process, Tim Dodd? It just, what really just seems to set in is, to me, Tim Dodd, stronger than ever, front, uh, stronger than ever, front pages, you know, acquitted. He's holding up the headline almost like when, you know, team wins the World Series. For the the life of me, I, um, oh, oh, before I let you go, no, touch on... What might happen in Iowa? Because you you touched on the fact. Watch somebody's going to legally challenge some of the outcome and some of those outcomes. And I don't blame them, by the way. Uh, well, and I, I don't blame them, by the way. Uh, well, I, I think that um, those who are even Bernie should be in there potentially filing suit to get a, um, a second look at those ballots, or to try to get a restraining order to enjoin those delegates from being assigned uh, proportionate or five folks. No one was getting delegates anyways. No one was getting delegates anyways. But uh, the shenanigans that appear to be going on out there is extraordinary. And if, if you're a cynic and you think that the Democrat Party writ large is trying to keep this from Bernie again like they did in 2016, it's, it's, it's by... By small percentages, by small percentages, even though from the reporting from the ground and the paper uh, documentation that has been revealed, Bernie apparently was ahead in the first round of the caucuses. He had the most votes. And when they do the second round with anybody else, so in both rounds he else. So in both rounds he allegedly had more votes than anyone else, but somehow he's behind Pete Buttigieg. How does that happen? I think he should be in court, number one, because he's denied, just like, um, um, I can't think of his name right now, the guy from Pennsylvania who really won on it. Um, Buttigieg, um, Buttigieg is gloating about it, even though he's not really the winner yet. Um, Biden might be looking at those results saying that something's wrong. I'm sure that I should have gotten more votes than Elizabeth Warren. Um, I think it needs some judicial intervention, at least a restraining order to keep these results. The, the other thing that's been widely, that's been widely reported, which you can't, if, if this was a novel, you couldn't make this stuff up. The people who developed the app were all ex-Hillary Clinton staffers. Yeah. So where's the skullduggery that could be attached to this whole chapter of uh, the Democrat primaries? The press and the television media, even I was listening to a little of them 
uh, asking questions of Speaker Pelosi. They don't ask any incisive questions. I mean, you and I could have been there asking better questions than the media was asking her. They don't. It's astonishing that they're all. It's astonishing that they're all crying about um, how unfair this trial was and how it's not really a, a appropriate um, finding of not guilty. When when Bill Clinton was impeached and his trial was conducted before the Senate, recall they they got about video. They they got about video. Under oath, lying. actually, the Paula Jones deposition—it was actually the Paula Jones deposition. Right. They've got him suborning perjury, suborning perjury, felonies, felonies while in office, suborning perjury from the White House, cooking up schemes with Vernon Jordan. During that trial in the Senate, none of the Democrats ever attempted to say he didn't do it. But the the, the consensus was what. The, the, the consensus was, well, yeah, he did these things, but come on. These were crimes about lying about you know, a sexual escapade. They're not serious enough to remove him from office. And every Democrat voted not guilty in the face of clear impeachment articles. Still vote not guilty. He suborned perjury from guilty. He suborned perjury from other witnesses. They all vote not guilty. So the double standard... Um, it is astonishing, and no one in the media goes to these same senators who voted to acquit Clinton and voted to convict uh, presidential um, reference made um, reference made to any of this. And you know that Clinton's 25 years ago, so a lot of people don't remember it. Many people weren't born during it, but the media person. And to show the hypocrisy of those who are complaining now, who voted not guilty when it was clinch trial. It's, it's amazing. Folks, he is our legal expert, and we certainly appreciate his insight and patience, most importantly, Tim Dodd. Tim, great job. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. All right, folks, there it is. And again, uh, thrown off a little bit because of the situation with uh, we took. I, I wanted to take uh, President. President Trump in his speech. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Kay's. Remember, whether it's lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, thing for you. He's John DePietro. Right. He's really in the know. Try to be. With his talk show. Yep. On your radio. 11 to 2. He's John DePietro. Tune in your radio. Go get him, Johnny D. All right, folks, thanks for listening. We have a big show. Just a reminder, if you're out and about, stop in Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Stop in and see Ron and Melissa, Bakery Cafe, 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence, right near AAA in Providence, right off Silver Spring Street. Cookies, pastries, chocolate-covered donuts, cannolis, all fresh Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Just follow the signs. We're back tomorrow at 11. The John right here on AM 1380. And also visit the website, dipetro.com.